Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. There is no away. It's what the book says that we've been using for this sermon series. There is no away. When we say things in terms of trash, like, I'm going to throw it away. It's easy for us to think that it, it, it just disappears and it goes away, but there is no away. So uh, several months ago, one of our members, Margaret, invited me because we had talked in pub theology and I decided to invite anyone from Peace that wanted to go to go tour the dump that's down off 71 in south of Columbus. And And so we opened it up as an invitation for any of you that wanted to come tour the dump. And my wife and I joined Margaret on the tour. I don't know if you all thought it was just going to be a bunch of trash or if you had a lot of crap going on. But even my wife on the way, because it was a Saturday morning, was kind of complaining about going because I was making her go with me. And uh, but then after it was over, she said, that was fascinating. Because here's what we learned. There is no away. <laughs> I've seen what you throw away. It's there. I saw cabinets getting pushed in. I saw counters and refrigerators and everything just getting pushed in by bulldozers into this massive mountain of our stuff. And then what they do is after a while, they cover it with some dirt and some different uh, chemicals to help the the seepage not be too bad. And then they put more stuff on top of that. And then they do the same thing. And in several years, they will seal this. And all of your stuff will stay there infinitely. There is no away. The tour guide even showed us a newspaper from 1930. We think like newspapers. That's going to go away. Nope. Perfectly legible. There is no away. It amazes me to think that that I've read some, some books that talk about the fact that until we started really manipulating things in creation and, and inventing things like plastic, we existed for centuries without trash. 
And then suddenly we've created things to make our lives easier, and now there is no way. Now, the same is true in Christianity. And here's where the metaphor comes in from the book. There is no way in terms of being Christian if you were one or are one. We know we've talked a lot in the past several weeks about all the people leaving the church, not only Christianity, but other religions. But the truth, and here's what Brian McLaren tries to point out in the book, is if you've been a part of a faith, if you leave it, there is no way. You can leave Christianity, but it's not going to leave you. It's shaped who you are. The good of Christianity and unfortunately all the brokenness of Christianity over the years. We all know we haven't always done this right or well. And so all of that goes to make up who you are even if you leave it. So here's one word that both in the trash world and in the faith world we uh, can cling to and gives us a sense of hope. Do you know what that word is? Recycle. Recycle. It's a word where hopefully we can find some hope in the midst of all of this. Now, if we take that word a step further, there is this other word, redeem, that seems to have a little more power to it. Redeemed. It's re is again, obviously. And deem is to apply worth. So we're reapplying worth to something that, that had a past but hopefully will have a future. Now let's take that word a step further and go into our spiritual kind of language and we get this word re-consecrate. Re-consecrate. Again, it's re is again and then consecrate to make holy. <laughs> to make something holy. Again, now the reason I chose the reading for this morning is one of my favorite passages, and I think it's a passage that we often in the church forget about where Jesus says, as he, 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 he applauds Peter for knowing who he is, and then he says that with Peter, he's going to make the church, and then he, he says this, he gives the church, you and I, the power to bind and loose laws. It's easy to forget that that's in the Bible. Not only in the Bible, it's commandment from Jesus. You get the power to bind or to loose. And what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We get the opportunity to say, you know what? That rule had a time. That time's not now anymore. We're going to let that one go. We get the power to say, this rule still is pretty important. We should keep it. We should hold on to this. Done. We have the power to do that. Now think about this. Jesus himself reconsecrated some of the rules along the way. There's this one part where all these religious leaders who are clinging to all these laws are griping and grumbling at Jesus. I know it's hard to picture that in the church. But they were griping and grumbling at Jesus and saying, why do your disciples pluck grain on the Sabbath? It's against the law. Jesus, I just picture him. It might be the first time anyone said, Jesus. <laughs> he, he looks at them and I, I just picture him like, oh, don't you get it? The Sabbath was made for people, 
not people for the Sabbath. Let's reconsecrate what makes the Sabbath holy. It's a gift given to you, not some legalism that destroys what the Sabbath is all about. See, Jesus all along is reconsecrating everything, taking it and making it holy again for a different reason than than what it might have been before. All right, here's a quiz for you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you, the first service, somebody got this right. So pressure is on. I'm going to see if you have read any of our uh, mission and vision statements. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm going to give you one that applies directly to what I'm talking about right now. And I'm going to give you a huge hint. This one is R over R. Who? Chandra got it. Relation, yeah, give it up for Chandra. I know some of you, I think I heard it out here too, but relationship over rules. It's not relationship over rules. Relationships are over, in terms of our importance here at Peace, rules. Now, does this mean rules and laws aren't important? Of course not. Of course not. But when they get in the way of actual relationships, then it's time for us to evaluate what's going on, right? So think of it as a parent, right? We have all sorts of rules as parents. I I have two pretty much young adults now, and I know some of you have young kids, so I am here to say that I am filled with vast amounts of wisdom. And I can help you. If you have young kids, here's what I learned. Somewhere along the way, you get these rules that you imply on your children, right? House rules, and they may have come from your parents and their parents before them, and you hand them down, and you have these rules. And then every now and then, as one of your children breaks these rules, and you imply the rule and say, this is the rule, and then they turn to you and they say, why? And I know you've been there. You're a parent, you look back at them, and you say, yeah, something like that. Because, it's basically what you got, right? Because, and then you think to yourself, I have no idea why this rule exists. It's just what we've done, right? Like, so there's a time where sometimes we need to look at these rules and these things that we've clung to along the way and say, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe you're right. <laughs> so, there is uh, these things in our past as Christians that we should bury, and we have, and I'm glad for that. At least, in part, we have buried them. Things that we have clung to, that we've read in Scripture even, or, or, or tried to justify it through Scripture, and we buried it, but here's an important thing. We haven't forgotten it. We don't want to forget our past because that's where we can relive it. And we don't want to relive things. Like we used scripture to justify slavery. For hundreds of years, we used scripture to justify slavery. We have buried that now, thanks be to God, but we don't want to forget it. We used scripture in some, t- in some many places today. We still use scripture to justify 
outcasting LGBTQ people. Fortunately, here at Peace, we have worked hard to say, no, mm -mm. we're not doing that. We've used it, Scripture, to justify that men rank above women. And still in a lot of churches today, this is the case. A lot of churches, even Lutheran churches, not a part of our synod, but of others, don't allow women leadership. And, it's, and, and we fortunately, and I love this about the ELCA, we have buried that one, but we don't forget it. So I want to show you a few things from the book that we have recycled or that we're working to recycle. And a lot of this comes from Brian McLaren, but I find myself agreeing with a lot of it. So the, I'm going to start with this next slide. We're hopefully recycling this language of salvation and turning it into more of a language of liberation. I mean, there's, we ha we've had this language over the years of God sent his son to die, Right? Now, there is some value in salvation language, but I think it's a way more healthy language to go towards a language of liberation. And all throughout Scripture, God is liberating God's people. God is setting them free, leading them into a new day, into a new life. We see it in the story of Moses. We see it in, in all the times where we've fallen short and God still leads us to a new day. And of course, we see it in Jesus Christ on the cross who liberates us from sin and, and our past and sends us into a new day, teaching us about a God who liberates us from whatever oppresses us. Go on to the next one. This final judgment, like we're gonna talk about in pub theology if Tuesday ever comes. Final judgment, this, what, the God is ticked off, and you'd better, almost a Santa Claus kind of God, you'd better watch out, you'd better not cry. Uh, and instead, let's go move toward a language of only time will reveal the full goodness or evil or the mix that is the grayness that is in between that flows from every action. Go on to the next one. Trinity. Now, I'm, hear this loud and clear. I'm not saying we should get rid of Trinity, nor is Brian McLaren. But as Westerners, we try, to, we try to take the Trinity and turn it into this math problem, right? Okay, there's three. How do they interact with each other? One is like water. One is like vapor. One's mist. How do we figure this out, right? But instead of, of that's a Western mindset, an Eastern mindset, which is where Scripture was written and where a lot of these concepts come from, Dynamic, the Trinity is dynamic, creative, relationality of God and the universe. It is this mystery that in this lifetime, we will never understand it, but we know that God is at work somehow in three ways. Go on to the next. God is dictator, up in the sky, in the clouds, removed from everything that we do, just watching with a sense of anger. <laughs> we want to move from that and recycle that into God is the relational heart of the universe. God is a part of it all. All right, what's the next one? Oh, wait, stop, stop. Okay, that's my cue that that's it for the recycle. Um, but think of this. These languages make a shift. They make a shift in the way that we think and, and, and in terms of a healthier relationship with where God's at work in the world. Now, uh, John Lennon, I talked about this a few months ago. John Lennon has this song, uh, Imagine, right? Imagine, all the lonely people. And it's, it's often called the, what? 
Oh, I'm still singing the wrong song. Do you want to preach? Do you want, no, okay. Anyway, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was Eleanor Rigsby, you're right. Anyways, John Lennon has this other song called Imagine, and uh, often called the atheist theme song because he says, imagine there's no religion. And we, we get what John Lennon's trying to say. He doesn't like the divisiveness, right, that religion has caused, and neither do we. But let's, let's do that for a minute. Let's imagine there's no religion. Here's what it would look like. No set of institutions, movements, communities dedicated to human meaning, morality, or better future. No people working toward wonder, generosity, repentance, and this word grace. Nobody passing on spiritual wisdom from our ancestors. No local networks serving the poor, the forgotten, the addicts, and the homeless. I mean, can you imagine a complete loss of religion? Now, here's an important point, though, a sub-point of this. We still need the secular. We still need the secular world because they go hand-in-hand hand together. I remember when I was leading a Bible study when I was in Dublin, and I had all these people that would come to a Bible study at a coffee shop, and not all of them went to my church, which I loved. And there was this one guy who went to a different church, and he we were talking about how God's at work in our work lives. And he said, God doesn't give a rip what I do in my work life. God only cares what I do when I'm at church or doing church. And I was like, ah, how do you go through life thinking that? Like it broke my heart. Like, How do you, of course God cares about what we do in our life. John the Baptist, when he was preparing for the, for the Christ to come into the world and he was announcing that God is coming into the world in a new way and people would go up and they'd say, what do we do? And, and tax collectors came. It, it, the Bible even says, even tax collectors came to John and said, what do we do? And John's like, well, how about you don't collect more than what you should? Okay, that's God at work in the world. Soldiers came to John and said, what do we do to prepare for God at work in the world? And he said, well, maybe stop like abusing people. Oh. So it's, even John's announcing to everyday people, like in your daily lives, God cares and God's at work. I love that thought. At work in the world. So there is, there is, you, we have this concept sometimes in the church that there is your secular life and there is your spiritual life. But what if neither is true? What if all it is is life? Right? What if all it is is life? I mean, so think about it. Those of you who are in education, you have a golden opportunity to see that you have something to, work, to offer to your students that's God-given. Or if you're in uh, entertainment business, you have a gift to offer to the world that is God-given. Or if you're an engineer or in science, can you imagine in science not having a sense of wonder and awe at a greater world than you could ever be able to explain? Or, or in technology, or I have a friend who I'm gonna uh, ride bikes with later today, and he's an electrical engineer. And we make fun of him, but we also love him because 
all along our rides, he will point stuff out that we're always like, who notices that? Like once he stopped because he didn't know what a certain crop was and he collected some of it so he could take it home and look it up. He'll also point out, he, he, he'll always point at different barns and he says, that barn is built right. And we're like, how, how do you know this? And he's like, because the opening of the barn points in, any of you farmers, do you know which way it's supposed to point? The biggest opening of the barn? East, east, because that's where the winds are usually the mildest, and that's going to make your barn stay up longer, is what he explains. He might be right, he might not be. He'll point at like the electrical wires and talk about the different voltages of the wires and how this one could compare to like a lightning blast, and he'll explain lightning. And, and we all say to him, will you shut up? But then at the same time, we pause sometimes and realize he's just observing the wonder of creation. Everything in it is God-given gift. So for us, in closing, let me say this. In all of your life, especially as people who believe in a God at work in the world, in all of your life, take time to re-consecrate everything. In anything in your worlds, if there is uh, uh, abuse or uh, toxic or dehumanizing, it's time for us as people of faith to reconsecrate it, to make it holy again. I mean, there is no way, but with God, we can find a way forward.